3: I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a market market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. I don't want to make friends. I'm just trying to make some money. My job is not just to entertain you, but to educate you. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. There's a thesis for pretty much everything. And that's why this market keeps hanging in there, even though so many big-time money managers can't get comfortable with what they see as a Fed-engineered recovery with rates way too low to make any sense at all. We often hear about the bull case or the bear case. With interest rates so low, the obvious bear case is simply that one day the Federal Reserve will decide to take away the punch bowl. Doesn't it have to happen? But in the interim, I think the pessimists are fooling themselves. Because there are so many positives out there that have nothing that would do whatsoever with the Fed. That's why after a major rally yesterday, we consolidated rather than giving up the ghost. Dow dipping just 82 points, S&P declining 0.21 percent, NASDAQ edging down a meager 0.03 percent. In other words, the bull case for this market is more like a stampede of smaller bull cases rather than one giant all-encompassing one. So why don't we run some of them down? Believe me, I'm leaving out a lot of them. I could have done Fang. I chose not to. First, you've got the reopening of America. That's a rolling positive as we keep hitting new vaccination milestones. When you hear it, when you hear about the reopening, all you have to do is think about, well, hey, it doesn't make you want to travel. Uh, but like so many other industries, the airlines were caught unaware, and they've been reluctant to expand until soon. They cut back hard during the worst of the pandemic and didn't have much hope for a rapid recovery. Now the other recovery's here. And these stocks have started to make their move. Southwest already had a strong comeback, and it's widening to United, Delta, American air. It's almost like these stocks are being bought by people who can't get plane tickets because everything's booked up. Wouldn't shock me. Meanwhile, the bull market in the cruise lines is back. Now that the president's blessed trips to Alaska, I think Royal Caribbean Carnival and Norwegian Cruise still have more upside. These stocks have nine lives. I think they're only about on life five. We're seeing the same thing in the casinos. I like MGM, but I love Wynn Resorts been buying it for the charitable trust. Quintessential Las Vegas and Macau story that's just starting to make its move. The destination thesis was nicked by Disney's unfortunate streaming numbers, but their theme park business is looking great, so I think Six Flags and Cedar Fair have more room to run. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but you have to wonder when all this will trickle down to Boeing stock itself. The airlines are like farmers. When they're flush, they buy new machinery, in this case, aircraft, from Boeing. The reopening trade is like a forest fire. It keeps spreading. It's very hard for the to bear, you know, bears to put it out. Poor Smokey. In the last week, we've seen... Big gains from the shopping malls and shopping center names. Not long ago, we thought they'd been stripped of their dividends and left for dead. Nah, huge winners. Even the banks are being treated as reopening plays because a booming economy requires more loans. And when the Fed is finally forced to raise interest rates, that will instantly make the banks even more profitable. There's been relentless buying in the banks. Why? Well, it makes sense. See, you're getting a chance to buy these stocks before the Fed relinquishes its control over their ability to pay large dividends or buy back stock. It's a once in a lifetime opportunity that's coming by the end of June. FOMO for banks. It's a pretty new thing. Now it happens daily. Beyond their reopening thesis, there are the relentless cycles that keep surfacing. Cycles that carry entire industries. We don't talk enough about the agriculture cycle. But when you go over Deer's widely overlooked conference call from last Friday, you'll see the greatest ag cycle in a decade. Some would argue it's the greatest in modern history. Deere, Agco, fertilized by seed companies, all are in fantastic shape. They're all buys on any weakness. This ag cycle is a dream come true because I think we're only about halfway into it. We've got the best steel cycle in living memory with just a few players. No, new core, Cleveland Cliffs, and U.S. Steel to invest in. Hey, you know what? There's a lot of excitement about an upcoming SPAC, Legato Merger, which is uh, it's combining with an old-timer, Algoma. Yes, Canadian flat rolled steel producer. You know what? This is one of the rare specs I think is going to work. Then there's the health insurance bull market. Oh my God, UnitedHealth, Centene, all time high today. Cigna, Umana, CVS, that owns Aetna. They're simply saying, welcome aboard. They can be bought on any trip, any, any rare dip, I should say. Then there's the meme stock cycle. Remember these? It, GameStop? It's been roaring higher ever since management decided to raise capital by selling stock right into the maw of the Wall Street bets crew. AMC's doing the same thing, staging a monster rally. Once it was able to raise some cash on the back of these same investors, willing backs, I should say, I keep waiting for these guys to adopt another target, some fresh company with, with a big short position that can use the cash. My pick, Wall Street meme beat whatever AMA here. Beyond me, 22% of the float it has been short. Got a chance for a giant expansion of their deal with McDonald's, charismatic uh, CEO. Then again, the Wall Street Bets cohort prides itself on never selling. So I don't know where they're going to come up with the cash for a new position. Maybe today's success allows them to steal my idea. And then, of course, trash me on Twitter at the same time. Next up, the consumer product and drug stock bull market. This one is about the endlessly declining dollar, which makes their overseas sales more valuable. I know these companies have issues with freight and plastic costs. I'm bored by that by now. I think plastics about to break down with the exception of chlorine because the chemical stocks are acting like they peaked. There are some surprises, too. The housing cycle was supposed to peak once the pandemic waned, but I guess nobody got that memo because home prices keep roaring. Every time someone suggested s and we learned that supply remains well below demand and with low mortgage rates, which aren't supposed to be able to be maintained, but are, business remains strong. Lennar moving up. doctor Horton's been great. How about that Toll Brothers? Spectacular quarter this evening. Best housing market in 32 years. That's led to some excellent gains for other stocks that people keep shorting. Williams-Sonoma, R.H., Wayfair, Macy's, this cycle shows no signs of waiting whatsoever. Hey, do you mind if I throw Target in there for good measure? They got a lot of housing stuff in there. How about the mall store cycle? I mentioned that the mall owners are in good shape, which means that things must be great for their tenants L Brands is the way it's been leading the pack. American Eagle Outfitters Gap Stores. That's that so-called lag trade. Thank you, Matthew Boss from J.P. Morgan. Now it's expanding to Urban Outfitters Children's Place. Did you see that? This is a cycle that few saw coming given the conventional wisdom that the mall is dead and Amazon's ascendant. But the strength in the stocks of Federal Realty and Simon Property Group told you otherwise. Finally, there's a tech bull market that shows no signs of flagging in the semiconductor capital equipment sector. This group looked like it would peak for a moment when applied materials got hit after an excellent quarter. But with the United States now committed to building as many as seven new semiconductor foundries, something we're going to talk about with Commerce Secretary Gene Raimondo later tonight, I think the government mandated demand will extend the cycle longer than anyone thought. That means you've got to buy applied materials, Lamb research, ASML, and KLA. Here's the bottom line. Just like America runs on Duncan. The stock market runs on cycles. When you have this many running at once, the averages tend to be pretty darn resilient. And that's why I think you need to keep by the dips. There's just too much to like. Steve in Illinois. Steve. Jimmy Chill. Booyah.
1: Booyah. What's up? Hey, Jim, first, I want to thank you for all the positive vibes you give on your show during the challenging times of the pandemic when people were all stuck at home.
3: Thank you, man. Yeah, you got to come to play, not to come to bring people down, for heaven's sake. What's going
1: on? (laughs) Hey, well, I also want to say my 10-year-old daughter loves watching you and and loves it when you give all the callers a booyah. And she's also learning about investing herself. That's right. That's what she should do. Yeah, you've you've definitely made our dinners more entertaining while we're all stuck at home during the pandemic. Oh, thank you, buddy. So, hey, Jim, I'm calling you about Capri Holdings. Um, it seems like the most successful retailers during the pandemic have a strong e commerce internet presence with online sales compri- comprising a significant portion of total sales, particularly with consumers spending those stimulus checks. Do you think Capri falls in this category? And what's their expectation? I think they're trying earning- to fall
3: into it, they're not there yet. Uh, I think they'll get there. I actually like the company. I, I wish I had pushed it very hard when it was lower, but I was afraid that what would happen was that the, uh, the Chinese economy wouldn't come back and the Chinese principal buyers of the stuff. China's come roaring back down the United States. Well, I think you got a good one. Your kids got horse sense. Thank you for the call, and I hope I keep delivering for you. And now I'm going to John in Georgia. John. Hey, Kramer. I have a question about Cleveland Cliffs, CLS. Oh, there you go. Let's go to work. Hey, Hey, my
4: friend Pham from Florida thinks CLF is already priced in, but CLF seems undervalued compared to other steel in the sector, vertical integration, multiple acquisitions, with China planning to implement an export tax and cancel their 13% export rebate Freight exports out of China are practically non-existent. Do you think that this makes the bullish case for CLF? They're not able to dump anything
3: here anyway. That was something that the president can uh, agree with uh, the previous president on. I think you're absolutely in great shape with Cliffs. I was surprised that Cleveland Cliffs came back down. It did a big deal. The stock turned and uh, flopped and chopped, and now it's ready for its next leg. Brian in New York. Brian!
0: Booyah, Jim. Booyah, Brian. Uh, Since people are coming out again, and and musicians want to play live i was wondering what your take is on live nation
3: i think i've missed it i think live has been a double uh from ever when people realize that you know what the uh cycle is uh the uh, go out of your house cycle has started and it's been a winner, and now I've got to wait for a pullback before I endorse it. All right, look, the stock market, it runs on cycles. Here's a bunch of them I just found just looking through charts today. Uh, the average is to be pretty resilient because of the cycles. Keep buying the dips. Well, buddy tonight, these days, it can feel like there are very few issues Democrats and Republicans agree on. But the two parties have teamed up to tackle the semiconductor shortage. Commerce Secretary Gina Raimondo joins me to discuss what it means for the economy. And can the video game stocks keep Roy higher as the country turns to the, the corner on COVID-19? I'm going off the charts to find out. And can Grow Generation continue to bank on a growing legalization trend? I'm talking to the CEO. So stay with Kramer.
5: Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets.
3: Right now, we've got a high-quality problem. The economy's rebounding much faster than anyone expected. And when that happens, you end up with all kinds of shortages. We don't have enough semiconductors. We don't have enough lumber. We don't have enough metals. Fortunately, a lot of this stuff is fixable. We just need supply to catch up with demand. Government can make that happen. Take the semiconductor shortage. We desperately need new capacity here. Now the White House is pushing to build seven, that's right, seven semiconductor factories right here in America. And that's why we want to check back in with Commerce Secretary Gina Raimondo, who is spearheading this entire semiconductor effort, get a better read on the situation. Secretary Mondo, welcome back to Mad Money.
6: Hi, Jim. Great to be with you.
3: Thank you, Madam. Madam Secretary, uh, there are very few issues that have national security, higher education, and uh, ability to be able to manufacture things in this country, as well as jobs. This issue encompasses all. Are we going to get this done?
6: We are going to get it done. There's no option, Jim. Think about how devastating the impacts would be if we didn't get it done. Uh, Just yesterday, I was out at Micron, which is a leading memory chip manufacturer, actually the only one in America. And I was there with Senator Warner and Senator Cornyn, one Republican, one Democrat. We were talking about how we have to get it done because what you say is true. There's disruption all over supply chains. But nothing as important as semiconductors. When the semiconductor supply chain is disrupted, the economy is disrupted. They're in your your dishwasher, your car, your computer, your headset, your phone, military equipment. So, yes, we're going to get it done. Uh, The Chinese have much of
3: their semiconductor uh, capital equipment and making in one area. The Taiwanese have done the same. Can we do that? Because it sure does help for cost if we put all this in one centralized location.
6: Well, it might help for costs, but it makes us more vulnerable and it doesn't necessarily help for resilience. You know, Taiwan, for example, recently was experiencing a once in 70 year drought. Semiconductor operations need a lot of water. You saw in Texas with the storms, semiconductor operations and other manufacturers were, mm-hmm. were you know, out of business for a short period of time. So I think what we do know is this. We need, to be make, we need to be producing the chips in America to a greater extent than we are now, because you want to be producing where you are selling, which takes the logistics out of the equation, takes a lot of risk out of the equation. But if we're going to do this, it, it should be across multiple states within America. So we have some resiliency. Madam Secretary, how did this happen? You're on this listening tour. How did we let everybody go?
3: How did we get so that only 8% of semicap equipment is sold in this country? How did this
6: happen? It is such a terrible danger for our country. It is. And let me tell you, it didn't happen overnight. Certainly, COVID has made it worse, all supply chains, but this is a problem that's been in the making for years. It wasn't that long ago that we made 37% of the semiconductors that we needed in America. And that number is down to 12%. And we make 0%, 0% of bleeding edge, leading edge chips in America. How did it happen? You know, as well as I do. It, there was a desire to produce things in in low labor cost countries, you know, in Asia. there's. you know, we got out of the business of manufacturing electronics and Processors in America where labor was more expensive, Uh, everybody rushed to just-in-time inventory, and it was thought that it would be less expensive to make things overseas in Asia. By the way, it was, but now look at where we are. We've kind of decimated the industry, and we desperately need to rebuild and do so quickly.
3: Do people in Washington, both parties, realize how important this would be for people to study math and science. It could lead to a resurgence of the study of math and science at all grades
6: and college if you do this. I agree, You, I should take you with me on my rounds of Capitol right. Hill. this <laughs> is the most important thing
3: I've tried to champion on this show in years, Madam Secretary. It's so important for our country.
6: I think yes, not everyone, not everyone to the extent that we might like, but. It's starting to come into focus for people. Um, And I certainly view this as a huge opportunity. Uh, Last week, I hosted listening sessions with semiconductor uh, industry leaders. I, I talked to 35 of them across a couple of different sessions. They're all talking about skills. We can't make these chips without having the science and technology engineers, technicians who can fill the jobs. And so it's a it is a it's a crying need. And it's by the way, it's not just economic security. This is national security. And underpinning all of that is a workforce that has the science technology um, skills. I know there's a terrible thing
3: happening in our country, which is that there is, I think, uh, a level of discrimination and even violence toward Asian Americans. It's a travesty. This is an important month to celebrate, an important month for awareness. Are the Taiwanese a believer, perhaps at the highest level, that United States is not good to Asians and therefore might actually want to side more with the People's Republic of China out of solidarity versus what we're doing to this important minority in our country.
6: Yeah. So first of all, I want to echo what you say, that there is no place for racism in it of any kind. But as you say, recently we've seen it increase towards Asian Asians and Asian Americans, and there's no place for it. Secondly, no, I have not seen, I have had a lot of interaction with TSMC, which is the Taiwanese uh, producer of chips. I have talked to the CEO multiple times and his team. I don't think there's any reason to believe that they have been a good partner through all of this. Having said that, it just stands to reason that, um, It's too, we're in too vulnerable of a spot if we're buying 30% of our chips from a a Taiwanese company. Uh, They're terrific and they've been great to work with, but that's just too, not a place we can afford to be. Finally,
3: I know the Republicans are involved with a a counteroffer involving for infrastructure. I sure would like to take this out of infrastructure and make it national emergency defense. But how do you think things are going? Uh, Because I know politics has to play a role, even though you and I both know this is national security. This is education. This is health care. This is everything that matters in this
6: country. This cannot wait. This cannot wait. I am hopeful that this will get through the Senate in the coming days, not weeks. This, it, this requires an emergency appropriation, just like you said. And I think there, I, I believe that there is the, the will uh, in the Congress to make that happen. As for the counter proposal from Republicans, we'll see what they come back with. But listen, that's progress. And you have to give President Biden credit. He said to us, his team, reach across the aisle and work as hard as you can to find bipartisan agreement. And now we're hearing, as you said, Republicans might be coming back with a with a trillion dollar counteroffer. I don't know what's in the offer. We have to see if it's real. But the very fact that we're still talking and they're coming back with a potentially trillion dollar deal is is progress for sure. Well, I
3: don't want to give him credit, but credit where credit is due. Madam Secretary, thank you for everything you're doing for this incredibly important issue for America. Great to see you again. Nice to
6: see you.
3: That's Gina Raimondo, U.S. Secretary of Commerce. People, I cannot tell you how important this is. This is what keeps me up at night. We have got to be independent when it comes to technology. Bad money is back everywhere. Anyway.
5: Coming up, game on. Can the big video game makers go head-to-head with a new generation of digital diversions? Kramer goes off the charts next.
2: The spirit of performance defines Acura, and now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com.
6: Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business.
3: Now that we've annualized the pandemic and they're up against much tougher comparisons, maybe they can. We know this industry's been on fire ever since COVID sent us into lockdown, but that's part of a longer term secular trend toward more immersive entertainment. Games aren't going anywhere as the world goes back to normal. In fact, the last time Netflix reported, CEO Reed Hastings made it clear that he wasn't worried about competition from other streaming services. He considers the gaming companies his biggest rivals. Now we're even hearing chatter that Netflix wants to launch its own gaming service. More importantly, these companies keep reporting great numbers. Last week, it was Kramer Fave Take-Two Interactive. The week before, it was Kramer Fave Roblox, which we patted the table just last night. It doesn't hurt uh, that other than Roblox, these stocks have all pulled back from their highs earlier this year. Plus, later this week, we get E3. That's a conference. It's like a festival of all things gaming. Could be a good catalyst, depending on what gets announced. So how much more upside could we be looking at? That's more of a quantitative question. So to get an answer, we got to go unemotionally. Off the charts. With Elbow Bob Lag, the founder of ExplosiveOptions.net, as well as being the brilliant technician in the all-star duo behind the tri Trifecta Stocks newsletter, he's also the author of Know Your Options. So let's start with Roblox because their platform is the hottest thing in the industry. Now, remember, Roblox has a whole ecosystem that lets amateurs and professional developers make their own games and then share them with tens of millions of people. Yes, free content for Roblox. It seems like every kid is using Roblox, unless they're playing Fortnite. Like I told you last night, I'm a. Huge believer in the fundamentals, in part because this is arguably the only safe place for children on the Internet. But what about the stock, though? Check out the daily chart. After moving sideways for a couple months in the wake of its March IPO, Roblox caught fire when it reported the week before last, and it's been trending higher ever since. Lang points out that if it keeps gaining buyers on every dip, it's going to keep going higher. And that's just what it did. Look, the stocks making a pattern of higher lows and higher highs. That's exactly what technicians love to see. You should always be looking for that. It means you've got a healthy uptrend. Look at this. I mean, this is just fantastic. Here to here. That's what you want. When you look at the RSI, Relative Strength Index, which is down here at the bottom, uh, it's an important momentum indicator. Lang notes that the trend is very strong, but that the stock's not yet in overboard territory. Good. In other words, it hasn't come up too far too fast. Currently, Roblox is trading at $89. Bucks. Uh, it, look, Lang thinks this thing could be smooth sailing to 100 and then 120. By the end of the year, it's easily his favorite name in the group. I agree with him. In a market that generally has little patience for these fast-growing tech companies with no earnings, Roblox has managed to rocket higher. That tells you everything you need to know. Just imagine how well it can do if the TurboCharts growth cohort actually gets its groove back. And By the way, chicken money flow is just extraordinary here. And there's a beautiful crossover. This is all beautiful. But let's go to the next chart. Let's go to Take Two Interactive. Now, this is another one we love here on Mad Money. Remember, we just had Strauss on last week. It's the company that bought you Grand Theft Auto. Red Dead Redemption, a host of other major franchises, NBA 2K. Last week, Take-Two reported a tremendous quarter with cautious guidance. But that's what it always does. This time, though, Wall Street figured it out, right? They did under-promise, over-deliver. And that's why the stock exploded higher on the news, jumping from the 160s to the 180s. Lang points out that when Take-Two made that short move higher, it blasted through moving average resistance. And there's the resistance line. So it went right above that, OK? Uh, it's now above the 50-day moving average. Here we go. Pink. That's, well, what is it? What would you call that? Move? I don't know what that. I like that color, though, which is, some, which is something the chartists can't get enough of. It means the trajectory is improving. To Lang, it's looking like Take-Two just made a W pattern. Oh, boy, do we like that, Right. Uh, and, and that means it could have a substantial move up upward uh, as long as that right side of the base gets carved out, and that's what's going to happen here. Meanwhile, the moving average convergence-divergence divergence with the MACD, look at this, right here. It helps technicians detect changes in the stock trajectory before they happen, just made a very powerful bullish crossover. That's where the black line, okay, goes over the red one, and as far as the technical patterns go, it's a pretty reliable signal that it's time to buy. However, the check and money flow indicator, that's CMF, all right, and it shows you uh, whether big institutional money managers are buying or selling. It still hasn't showed you very much. On the other hand, Lang says the volume trends are bullish. The stock just roared on high volume, which suggests the rally has legs. And there's the va- there's that excellent volume spike. Putting it all together, Lange wouldn't be surprised if Take-Two first gets hit with a pullback. No hurry here, right? Gets hit with a pullback to 170, but longer term, he sees the stock headed higher, perhaps all the way back to its old highs around 215. If we do get a buyer, if we get a pullback, you must buy this stock. And remember, the pullback won't be very deep, Okay. Now, finally, what about Activision Blizzard, the largest player in the industry that doesn't have its own hardware? Here's the daily chart. Activision reported a pretty good quarter earlier this month, although not a colossal beat like Roblox or Take-Two. Activision's chart lost momentum in February, all right? Back when uh, we had that uh, major pandemic winters started getting hammered as investors rotated uh, to the great outdoors. All right. The reopening stocks. Activision quickly stabilized, though, and Lang sees a W-shaped pattern. There it is again, which would be very bullish. Plus, earlier this month, the MACD threw off a bullish crossover. All right. Let's go down to the MACD. There's the bullish crossover right there. And that's the buy signal we're getting. Right now, Activision's trading around 96 bucks. Line thinks it's gaining steam. If the stock can break out over its ceiling of resistance at 98, up less than two bucks from here, then Line believes that breakout can take this thing all the way to a new 52-week high of $110. Here's the bottom line. The charts, as interpreted by Bob Line, suggest that these gaming stocks have a lot more room to run. Makes a lot of sense to me. I think people still have a huge appetite for gaming, even with the world going back to normal especially Roblox, which is like a digital babysitter for parents that won't expose your kids to horrible things. Andrew of Massachusetts. Andrew. Hey, Jim. How are you? I am good, Andrew. How about you? Good, thanks. Andrew from Merrimack College here. Thanks for having me. I like that. I like the college kids are in. What's up? Uh, My question's on Zillow. The stock's down about 44% since it's high in February. Do you think the sell-off's a good entry point? Uh, the company has the largest user traffic volumes in real estate listings and has shown significant EPS growth um, with the possibility of interest rates to rise, too. I think it should be higher, um, but I have to tell you, I don't like the chart. And, and uh, you know, the president was one the other day. I told a pretty good story in that the stock didn't uh, move. I'd rather see you in an actual home builder than I would see you in Zillow. I like uh, fintech and real estate less than I like actual real estate. Even as the world returns to normal, the charts suggest that the gaming stocks could have a lot more room to run. Much more made money, at, it, including my exclusive with Grow Generation. With news that the company's expanding its California footprint, I'll find out if it can keep making you green. Then, if the late, great Mark Haynes were alive today, what would he have to say about this market? I'm taking a guess. The calls rapid fire tonight's edition of the Lightning Round. So stay with Kramer. the cannabis stocks finally found their footing? Like so many speculative plays, this whole group has come down dramatically over the last few months. But some of them have begun to bounce. Take Grow Generation, the hydroponics retailer with the stock that's been a huge winner for us, even after the recent sell-off. When Grow Generation reported nearly two weeks ago, they delivered a blowout quarter. And nobody cared. The stock actually dropped 3% the next day, although at one point it was down more than 7%. Since then, it's made a serious recovery, up 10% from the lows. And I'm starting to wonder if we've seen the bottom. I really like the fundamentals here, especially as the company keeps acquiring smaller hydroponics retailers and rolling them up uh, like they got another one today in California. So let's check in with Darren Lampert. He's the co-founder and CEO of Grow Generation. Get a better sense of what the quarter is going, what's happening. Mr. Lampert, welcome back to Mad Money. Thank you, Jim. All right. So, Darren, I'm beginning to think that perhaps people are recognizing that even if the cannabis stocks aren't doing that well, a company that is selling to those who want to grow cannabis can be doing far better than the price of cannabis. Are you starting to feel that maybe your stock can pull away from the pack?
1: Jim, we we sure hope so. We've had a tremendous growth spurt from 2018 to, to now up 15 fold in revenue. Um, EBITDA positive will make about between 54 and $58 million this year. So this company is almost earning a dollar on an adjusted EBITDA basis right now.
3: And it also seems like that you're able because your stock price is a good price, that people want to sell to you. I think that this uh, new acquisition you just made in California is going to immediately produce results.
1: Immediately. Jim, each and every acquisition we do, um, we uh, produces results immediately. Um, They're best of breed, they're all making money. Um, And the nice part is we're bringing bringing our staff into these stores, we're bringing our selection, our service, our supply. And what you're seeing really, Jim, is same store sales are rocketing. They were up 63% last year, a year before 37%. We just came off a 51% first quarter. And you're seeing growth on stores. We're buying legacy stores that have been in this market for a long time, mature stores. We're making them better. We're revitalizing them. We're bringing tremendous growth into these stores.
3: Now, you guys must do some forecasting of states that you think could go, let's say, in the next 12 months. Do you see a roadmap of a half dozen states that could uh, legalize more than that? Because it's obviously bringing revenue in everywhere they're legalizing it.
1: You know, we're we're extremely excited about the East Coast. Um, Governor Cuomo came out with some Certainly some wonderful news last month um, on licensing in New York, craft licensing, uh, 50% of licensing going to the underrepresented, uh, home grow rules. And we believe, even though it hasn't been inked yet, but once it gets inked, we do believe that the rest of the East Coast will follow New York. And hopefully New Jersey follows also with home grow, craft, and just more robust licensing, allowing individuals to grow.
3: Now, Darren, one thing I think you need to tell our viewers is: Look, I, I'm a gardener, and I, I this weekend I planted beans and I planted some tomatoes. This doesn't work like that. You can't do this kind of farming without without the help of Darren Lampert and his company. Correct?
1: It's true, Jim. It's controlled environment agriculture. It's growing indoors. It's controlling environments. It's consistency. It's irrigation systems. It's fertigation. It's benching. It's lighting. Um, it's, it's, it's the inputs that go into a facility to keep, to keep the quality consistent. We do believe that the urban and vertical movements will follow the cannabis movements in this indoor growing craze that you're seeing in the United States right now. It's technology. It's so specialized, Jim, that you have to come to a hydroponic store. And most likely it's grow generation.
3: So, Darren, I, I was at Home Depot and Lowe's in the last two weeks. They don't seem to have any inclination to, be, to go into this market. I think it's kind of like you've got an amazing runway. I, maybe they just don't think it's wholesome or they, or they just don't have the expertise, but they
1: seem to leave it. They, they're leaving it to you. Jim, I think a lot of it has to do with the expertise of growing. It's controlled environmental agriculture. It's technology. Um, it's having individuals working for you that understands the plant, the sciences. We have over 500 Grow Pros working in our stores right now, over 625 employees. They know how to grow plants. They're they're, they're value add to the supply chain. Um, And what GrowGen is building really is network capability to better serve our customers. More stores, more distribution, more private label products. Um, And it's winning, it's winning right now. It's selection service solution. And really it's the the model of GrowGen doing it in an omni-channel approach.
3: Now, how about these greenfield suggestions you mentioned in the last conference call? Is that something you want to do? Because there's so many people who probably want to sell to you.
1: Jim, our, our, our business plan is to buy stores in mature states, best of breed, that have employees that have been in this industry for a long time. So we have a really a bullpen of employees to, ro- to move around the country when we start greenfielding stores in new states. We've been quite successful at both. When you look on the East Coast right now and you look at new emerging states, there's very little to buy in these states. They're really old legacy hydroponic stores akin to the hardware stores back in the 18, in the 1980s and 90s. that were no longer here today. Now,
3: this one of these is really fascinating to me, and I think it would be great private label if you're able to. This partnership with Belushi's Farm. Tell us about that. I think the people are going to want to buy the
1: stock just by what you're about to say. You know, Jim Bellucci is one of the iconic individuals in this space right now. We started working with Jim about six months ago. And since we've been working with Jim and helped building out his farms, his plants have been dancing like the Blues Brothers. Um, that was a direct quote from Jim um, a few weeks ago. So there's such opportunity. Jim, Jim is a pioneer in this industry. And um, we're working very closely on a bunch of different partnerships with Jim. And we look forward to to really um, working on this relationship and um, and certainly bringing a lot of new innovation to the industry. All right. So when you look at the uh,
3: non-retailer acquisitions, explain those to me. There's like eight of them that have happened. Uh, Charqar. These are I'm trying to understand. And maybe you can help me. Out. Look, I'm just I just don't know the
1: industry well enough. You you know it really well. So maybe you can explain it. Jim, we're always out there. Besides adding to our store counts, um, we're adding to our private label and proprietary brands. Last year, one and a half percent of sales from Grogen were private label products. This year, we're expecting 10%. Uh, we did 6.2% in the first quarter of sales. So you're seeing a tremendous lift in our private label products. Uh, charcoal is one. charcoal is a cocoa product that we've had tremendous, tremendous yeah, um, success in selling, um, but it was a product that was coming into our stores that we saw taking off. Um, everyone was asking for it. So this is, this is a product that we want to own ourselves. Uh, same thing with Power SI. It's a, power, it's a silicic acid product that makes the plant stronger. So through our staff and through our customers, we're seeing some best-of-breed products out there that are really looking for the professional team that GrowGen has uh, to sell these products and, and bring it out into the uh, into the industry. Well, I think you've got a great model.
3: I think that the, that I can see the private label going to be good. Other companies should be selling to you. And I love the fact that the big competitors, the big box, they're not going against you because they don't have the expertise or the technology. Darren Lampert, co-founder and CEO of Grow Generation with a stock that I think is going to break away from the marijuana quotient because it's not that. It's all about growing. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Darren. Great to see you again. Thank you, Jim. That's, uh, look, that's a winning stock, all right? And it's come all the way back down for no reason whatsoever. That money's back into the break. Just chill out. Is this Chill Master Jay? The chill man is in the house. He's happy. The lightning round is coming
5: up when Mad Money returns.
3: It is time. It's time for the lightning round. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Keep time for the lightning round. Robert in California. Robert. Booyah, Jimmy chill. How's it going, man? I am doing well. How about you? I'm good, man. I'm ready to travel. I'm ready to come back to New York. I don't blame you. Me too. Yeah, hey, uh, I'm calling about Sunover Energy. Uh, it's tough been going stock, down. Tough stock today. because all the solar stocks are going down because after declining in price over and over and over, they finally started going up in price, and that is making them to be less competitive. I say I have to stay away from Sunover. Let's go to Brandon in Brandon in Virginia, Brandon.
1: Hey, James, Brandon, how are you?
3: All right, how are you? I'm very good. My question is about Alibaba Group. Yeah, this B-A-B-A. stock has come down a lot, Alibaba, and I do like it here very much. I think you should buy it and put it away. Let's go to Luis in North Carolina. Luis. Hey, Jim. It's Luis. Uh, How are you doing, my friend? I am doing well. How about you?
6: I'm doing great. Listen, I've been looking for something in the copper because I missed a huge move in
3: my portfolio. Okay. And I am a stock guy, not an ETF. So I found this powerhouse, sir. has copper, but has zinc, has potash, has ore, has aluminum, iron, and guess what? Throw in some oil and gas plus a wonderful safe dividend of 4%. What do you say? My stock is BHP. I like BHP. Of course, I remember the old Broken Hill Properties. I think you've got a good one. That's a great idea. It's a nice mosaic of what is working right now. Molly in New York. Molly. Hey,
0: Kramer. Long time watcher. First time caller. Um, because of you, I've been interested in investing. So thank you for all you do. Oh, for Oh, that's
3: terrific! Gamers. Thank you, thank you very much.
6: So I joined this um, investment group, the Bates Group, where we're like an amateur club, <laughs> and we. Have been talking about Virtue Financial, B-I-R-T. What
3: I like it. It's a well look. We know people from it. It's a very good financial company. I think it should it should be tra- selling at a higher price than it has. It's very low price earnings multiple. I'd be a buyer of it. I think you're in good shape. And thank you for the kind comments. Let's go to Bill in South Carolina. Bill, booyah, Jim. How are you doing? Well, I don't know. I got some sort of allergy thing. It's really knocking me out. How about you?
1: Uh, well, uh, no allergies here, thankfully. All but, right. Uh, first, I want to thank, I'm an Action Alerts uh, Plus member. First, oh, excellent. And, uh, thank you. I, well, I want to thank you for all you do in the area of financial
3: yep. literacy. Uh, Doing my best to educate. Doing my best. Thank you. What's so, up? So my, my question is about JD.com. Yeah, this so, stock has been very weak. And, you know, a lot of people do not like the Chinese stocks right now. J.D. is almost as good as Alibaba. I think it is worth holding, but understand the trade war, understand the temper of times has not been to invest in the PRC, but that one's a good one, too. Brett in North
1: Carolina. Brett. Hi, Jim. It is a privilege and an honor to speak with you today. Oh, thank you. And I want to thank, thank you. you so much for taking my call. Um, okay. Oh, yeah, Cool. Um, I would like your uh, thoughts on BJ's
3: Wholesale Club. BJ's, why not wait till Thursday when Costco reports? Because if, if Costco doesn't do a good job, then BJ's going to go down. you have to pick up BJ's, which is going to end up being having nothing to do with Costco. And that, ladies and gentlemen, the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The
5: Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, Kramer's a magnet for finance. What big money ideas are being pulled in by his positive charge? Get stuck on success next.
3: I am a magnet for anything financial. People talk to me about everything that moves, whether it's something I've followed for decades or something I'm furiously studying so I can keep up with what's working. The late great Mark Haynes always called me Reverend Jim Bob from the Church of What's Happening Now. That was my moniker because back then I had much more of a short-term focus. If Mark Haynes were still around and still hosting Squawk Box, the first thing he'd ask me is, "What do I think about GameStop and AMC, the pair of meme stocks that exploded higher today?" I tell him that AMC is a great reopening story with a mountain of debt far more than its operations can cover, but. Because there's a group of rabid investors who'll buy a, any amount of stock, even tens of millions of shares, if CEO Adam Aaron were to offer them, we don't need to worry about the balance sheet. I tell them there's a Reddit message board called Wall Street Bets, and those people will snap up new shares of AMC in a heartbeat. They'll buy because Wall Street Bets commanded it. And that's what matters right now. As for GameStop, I'd say it was run by a Svengali, Ryan Cohen, someone who's worshipped by the same cadre, and he too can do it every once, including nothing. The stock will rally anyway because Wall Street bets demands it and can keep climbing until they run out of firepower, which seems nowhere near the 200 level. Mark would ask, what's all those colored things they put up? What's this moon stuff? And I'd say, it's just some sort of silly rallying cry. But because I say things like that, these people hate me. They didn't want to know what else they'd be championing. And I said, nothing. Mark would consider that unimpressive. What else? He definitely asked me about Kathy Wood, the money manager behind Arc Invest, who had great performance last year, but has been struggling this year. The old me, Reverend Jim Bob from the Church of What's Happening Now, would say she got Tesla right, so nothing else matters. He'd question if that's really enough. But for the people chasing momentum stocks, the answer is, of course. Mark would notice that she's from the Church of What's Happening then, which is not as good as the Church of What's Happening Now, which would bring us to cryptocurrency. I can just imagine him again asking me up front, isn't him one big phony Kramer? He'd want to know why I sold most of my Bitcoin and Ethereum near the peak. The truth is I got lucky because I literally forgot I owned it and I needed some cash to buy a farm. Then I tell him the dirty truth. When it comes to the younger generation, nobody cares about stocks anymore, Mark. They just care about crypto. There are lots of younger operators that do nothing but trade various cryptocurrencies, of course, on margin, maybe in slivers, hoping they ignite. And they're making these bets with borrowed money, sometimes as much as 101. Well, Mark would say, well, that'll end badly. Uh, I'd reserve judgment. It'll probably, will bad someday. But I mean, like, who cares? That doesn't mean it'll be soon and you could miss out on some big gains in the interim. Boy, would that ever be me. Virtually every day, some new cryptocurrency turns into a quality asset and new millionaires are made. Plus, you got a legion of proselytizers like Mike Novogratz. I see him on TV peri- uh, periodically. And Anthony Papliano, POP, who makes these things sound incredibly enticing, blue chip, even when the whole crypto edifice has spent the last month getting crushed. The truth is, it's hard to keep up with all the new ones. Like Tether, which uh, acts as some sort of uh, wild transfer agent from cash to crypto. They'll tell me it's not new, but it's new to me. One that raises eyebrows. Hey, maybe both eyebrows. Or Dogecoin, which started as a dumb joke. Perhaps the joke's on you if you missed out on the study move over the past six months. Uh, Mark would then ask if crypto is just like sports betting. I would say no. On the one hand, it's less rigorous than sports betting. On the other hand, you can put less money to work and potentially generate far better returns. That's when he'd throw up his hands and he'd say, if that's all young people want to talk about, then go study it. and Let me know if there's any way to help you. Uh, And that's what I'm doing. Honestly, there's not a lot of rigor to the process. But to Reverend Jim Bob of the Church of What's Happening Now, what matters is that Elon Musk makes the best, most environmentally friendly cars. And he likes crypto, at least today. Kathy Wood loves it, too. And they're the expert who matters. Who will be right long term? Who cares? Remember, that's the old me. As long as they're on the same team again, I think that the two of those people can get, a, get the whole thing going. Musk and Wood, you can't beat that, right? And as for the memory of Mark Haynes, we have something special to offer. CNBC is auctioning off an NFT of his famous bottom call in March of 2009. Now, I don't think he'd be an NFT guy. Actually, not at all. But he'd like that all proceeds go to charity. Autism Speaks and the Council for Economic Education. You can bid on it at mintable.app slash CNBC until tomorrow morning at 1030, and I want you to do it. I'd like to say there's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise you I'll find it just for you, right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Kramer. See you tomorrow. The news with Shepard Smith
6: starts now.